Welcome back to the Grand Valley Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you meet Jesus and grow in faith. Have you ever been in a situation where you were just over your head? Where maybe there was some task that you needed to get done that was giant and just felt impossible, like you wouldn't be able to get it done no matter how hard you tried? Maybe it's a task that you've been putting off because it feels like it's beyond your ability. It's beyond what you think you can handle. And maybe, just maybe, if you leave it long enough, someone else will do it. Someone else will step in and, and, and take care of it and take it off your to-do list. But we've all been in that kind of situation where we've been over our heads at least once, at least sometime in our lives. And today, that's what we're talking about. We're talking, what do you do when you're caught in a giant task or some big situation that has you overwhelmed and you just don't know what to do about it. That's what we're going to be kind of focusing on. And, and last week we talked about this time when the disciples were in a boat and they were sailing across the Sea of Galilee and the Sea of Galilee is, Galilee is, is below sea level and so high winds will come rushing down off the hills around and build big storms. And a couple of the disciples, they're even experienced fishermen. They've sailed this lake hundreds, maybe even thousands of times. And they're caught in this big storm, and they're overwhelmed. And Jesus is sleeping on the boat, not even aware that this is going on. And they they wake up Jesus, and they say, don't you care that we're going to die? So about a year after that, Jesus, when that happened, Jesus gets up, he calms the storm. And today, we're going about a year further ahead from that. And it's this situation where the disciples are in the same spot. They're in a boat, there's a storm that's come up, and they're caught in it. And this time, Jesus isn't with them. And so we're going to talk about this story, and it comes from Matthew 14. And Matthew is one of the four accounts of Jesus' life that are found in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and Matthew is actually one of the disciples. He's an eyewitness and later on in life, he, he categorized and wrote down these stories so that we would have them today, so that we'd be able to know more about Jesus. And so we're going to be at this, this part, we're going to start with Matthew 14. And it happens right after another big event that you may know of if you know the Bible a bit. There's this time when Jesus has all these crowds following him. And it's reaching dinner time. They don't know what to do. There's about 5,000 men plus women and children And the disciples are saying, how are we going to feed all these people? You know, they're just thinking practical. And Jesus says, well, you feed them. And they go, wait a second, we can't. Like, where are we going to get enough food, not to mention enough money to buy food to feed what's probably about 15,000 people? And Jesus says, well, just bring me what you've got. And they come forward and they've got five five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, I don't know about your math, but one fifteen thousandth of five loaves of bread and two fish, like you're talking like a crumb and like a flake, like you're talking basically nothing. But Jesus takes these and he breaks them and he starts putting them in baskets and they start carrying these baskets of food and Jesus multiplies the food. And at the end, after everyone's had their fill, there's 12 baskets of leftovers left behind. And so immediately after this, Jesus tells the disciples, he says, get on the boat, go across the Sea of Galilee to where we're going to be tomorrow, and I'll come join you. And Jesus sends the crowds away. He says, everyone, go back. Go back to your homes. 
Thanks for being here. And so he sends these disciples on, and Jesus goes off up into the hills to pray. He goes off, and this is something that Jesus did regularly, where he would leave the crowds, leave his disciples, and take some time just to pray and connect with God and, and, and be in that deep relationship with him. And so meanwhile, the disciples, this storm comes up. They're caught, and uh, they're caught in this storm. And the, the word that's used in Scripture is they're being tormented in the original greek they're being tormented by the wind and the waves and this time jesus isn't with them so have you ever had that giant task and what do you do see they got caught in this big storm night fell and so meanwhile the disciples are in trouble they're far away from land the strong wind had risen they're fighting heavy waves they know that they're in trouble and so here's the first question i want to ask and you can respond to this through the YouVersion app, and we're going to discuss it and talk about it together after. What do you do when everything you have is not enough? What do you do when everything you've got to give is just not enough? See, I've been in that situation, and this actually happened um, not this past year at camp, but the year before at camp. One of the things that I love about camp is I love going sailing. And Something cool that happened last year is Camille, he bought his own little sailing dinghy. It's called a Banshee. It's a, it's a small boat, but it's a fast boat. Like, it's a well-built. And he bought this boat, and he spent all winter um, restoring it and just painting it up and, and redoing the fiberglass on it. It is a gorgeous-looking boat. And so him and I were kind of taking turns sailing it out and having fun with it. And this one day, I think it was the Wednesday of camp, or maybe it was the Tuesday, but the wind had been really calm all week. And so you could go out and, you know, kind of get the boat moving, but it's not really sailing. And this day, the wind started to pick out. And so Camille was out with it and having some fun. And then he kind of brought the boat in. And I, I was at the dock. I'm like, man, I got I to, gotta, this is good wind. This doesn't happen always. This is good wind. I've got to go. So I hop in Camille's boat and I take it out past the bay and I'm having a blast. Like the boat is trimmed up perfectly. I'm like sometimes like skipping over the waves and the boat's planing across the water. And I'm having a ball. I am loving it. And the wind just keeps getting just a little bit stronger every couple of minutes. And you know that moment where you realize in the back of your mind that this just went from fun to dangerous. Like there's the, that little line, that little voice in the back of your head, this might be dangerous now. And I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm having fun. This boat is flying. You know, I'm, I'm having a blast. But I know this wind's about to cross the threshold of my sailing ability because I'm not a super experienced sailor. But I'm in a problem. This wind is getting too much. Now, I'm out from the bay a ways. I'm probably, I don't know, maybe a kilometer from the docks um, at kind of the furthest in the, kind of the open waters. And I realize I've got to come in towards the bays, into, into the bay to the dock to land the boat. And with the wind as strong as it is, I realize I have an option. See, I've got a whistle. I could come really in close to the front of the bay. I could just drop the mainsail and start blowing on my whistle. And eventually, Kelly or Howard are going to come with their fishing boat, and they're just going to tow me in. Like... That would probably have been the smart move as the wind was getting stronger. But come on, I'm not doing that. I am not calling for help. So I start trying to tack the boat in and come in towards the front bay. Now, something you've got to understand about the front bay of camp, if you haven't been there, is it is kind of a, almost a perfect semicircle, and it's lined with really tall trees. 
Now, what happens when the wind is blowing directly into a bay like that is you get wind currents that just swirl and change direction every moment. Every gust of wind is moving in a different direction. Now, if you've ever sailed, that means that's one of the hardest situations to be sailing in because at any moment as you're trying to control the boom and control the angle of the sail to control the boat, the wind is changing. And boats don't have brakes. Like, there's no key I can turn off. There's nothing I can do other than dropping the sail completely. But if I drop the sail, I can't hoist it back up fast enough if I need it. So I got to keep the sail up. And of course, I wasn't really planning on this. So all I have for a paddle is this little, like, tiny kid's paddle. Like, I don't have, like, a real paddle along. I've got this, you know, just in case tiny kid's paddle. So I'm coming in. And the boat is utterly uncontrollable. No, controllable. No matter what I try and do, it's just, I can't control it. Because the moment I get it kind of going the direction I want, the wind shifts and the sail will snap and get hard and it'll just launch the boat forward. And of course, there's no sandy beach that I can just run the boat aground, like pull up the daggerboard and run the boat in. It's rocky, jagged shores the whole way around the bay. So... I realize I am going to destroy Camille's boat. I don't really have a way out other than this boat is going to end up with multiple jagged holes through it. And I'm going to have to tell Camille, you spent all winter fixing up this boat and I wrecked it. That's what's going through my mind as I am just terrified of this. And so as I'm trying to alter between controlling the boom, not getting hit in the head by the boom as the wind shifts and it, it swings to the other side. I'm trying to paddle. I'm trying to get in. And I'm just going, God, make the, right, make, make the wind stop. Make the wind stop. Make the wind stop. Make the wind stop. Like, that's the only thought going through my head as I'm trying to control this boat. All that fun from 20 minutes ago is now just sheer dread. It is the most terrified I've ever been on a boat was trying to land this boat in the front bay in high winds. Now, maybe you weren't in a boat, but I'm sure you've been in a similar situation. Maybe it was a work project or a school project that just had you overwhelmed and beyond what you could handle. Or maybe you, there's a season of your life, maybe you're even in it now, where there's just you sense that there's just bills coming in and you're watching your bank account balance get lower and lower or maybe it's already in the negatives and the reds and you don't know what's my way out. What am I going to do? Or maybe there's a relationship problem. Maybe there's something happening that's preventing you from being able to connect and, and, and fix whatever this tension is that you're feeling and you just feel overwhelmed by it. We've all been there at least once. See, no matter what the situation is, when we get over our head, we just feel overwhelmed. We just feel inadequate. We feel like there's nothing we can do to fix the situation. It's not a pleasant feeling at all. That feeling of fear, of terror. And see, this is where the disciples were at. They knew as they're in this boat, if something does not change, they are going to die. They know as they're on the Sea of Galilee, they've been, they've been fighting these waves for hours at this point. Not 20 minutes, but hours. And they know they're, in, they're, they're done for if something doesn't change. See, but then about 3 o'clock in the morning, this is Matthew 14, verse 25. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus 
came towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified, and in their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, Don't be afraid. He said, Take courage. I am here. Now, this is utterly out of any possible sense of reality that the disciples could have understood. They've never seen someone walk on water. You know, they've been out there. It says 3 o'clock in the morning. Remember, it was dinner time when they sent the crowds away and they started out. They've been on the water from probably about 7 or 8 o'clock until 3 in the morning fighting this storm. And they see, you know, this shape of a man walking across the water towards them. They get even more terrified. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. But then Peter Now, he's the oldest of the disciples, and he's one of the guys that is a fisherman, probably has the most experience on boats out of all of them. He calls out and says, Lord, if it's really you, if this is you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. See, Peter realizes something in this instant. He needs to take a risk. If he stays put in the boat, eventually they're finished and they're done for. If they don't take a risk, they're done. But if this is Jesus, if this really is Jesus coming to them, that's their way out. So Peter knows he's done for either way. So God, if this is really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. See, Peter gets this concept because moving closer to God means taking on the wind and the waves. It means taking on head first, whatever it is that has us feeling overwhelmed, whatever it is that has us feeling like we can't handle it. We have to move forward. So Peter offers to take this risk. Now, I mean, can you imagine being in a boat? It's stormy, it's windy, you, you keep feeling fearful that the boat's going to capsize and think, okay, the, the rational thing to do is to step out of the boat. And by the way, life jacket's not invented yet. Not a thing. If Peter steps out of this boat, he knows that if Jesus doesn't make him walk on water, he's going to drown. He's choosing to take the risk of drowning. See, let me go back to my sailing story for a moment. Eventually, I managed to get the, dock, get the boat close enough to the dock uh, and I think Kelsey was actually one of the people that was there that rescued me. I think there was, it might have been a couple more. And I got close enough that with my tiny, like, itty-bitty paddle, I could reach out, and they grabbed it and hauled me in close enough to the dock. And so right away, we dropped the sail, and I kind of, like, rolled off the boat onto the dock. And I'm like, my arms are limp noodles. Like, I got nothing left in the tank. And I just laid there on the dock for a few moments, just... <sighs> It's over. Thank you, God. I'm not dead. I don't have to tell Camille that I ruined his boat. Maybe I was more thankful about that than like I was alive and uninjured. I think I was more thankful about, I don't have to tell Camille, your boat you spent hundreds of hours on this year. I put holes in it. But I was so grateful in that moment for the people on the, on the dock that pulled me in, um, that helped me land the boat. I was grateful that I was like on... I wasn't on land, but I was on the dock. I was at least on somewhat solid of ground. See, 
if I had tried to fight out that storm, if I had said, no, I'm not going to try and land it now. I'm just going to stay out away from the bay where the wind was predictable. See, what happened later is about an hour later, the wind was even stronger. There wasn't a chance that I would have kept that boat upright and not smashed it and myself on some rocks on that lake somewhere. See, I had to make a choice to take on the risk of landing the boat because staying where I was was not an option anymore. Sometimes we get to that point where staying where we are isn't an option. We have to choose to take the risk. That's where Peter was. He knew if he stayed in the boat, they were done for. See, we change. We make a change in our lives when the pain of not changing becomes greater than the pain of making the change. Let me say that again. We will only make a change in our lives when the pain that we're currently facing becomes greater than the pain of making the change. That's one of our motivators. For me on the boat, the risk, the pain of landing the boat, not changing was a greater risk. So I needed to do something. This is the state the disciples are in. They're realizing they need to make this change. So Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, call me out to you. Call me to come closer to you. If it's really you, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. See, often we ignore something in this. We read this passage and we ignore something giant that's huge. Peter walked on water. See, we'd rather skip to the next verse. We'd rather skip over verse 29 and go to verse 30 and say, but when he saw the strong waves, he was terrified and began to sink. And I've heard sermons and messages um, preached on this about how, you know, if Peter would have just kept his eyes on Jesus, he would have been okay. And that's completely true. If Peter would have kept focused on Jesus, he would have been okay. But he still took the risk and stepped out of the boat. He took the step into his fear, into the unknown, to do what mattered. See, oftentimes, we think that the safest place is just to stay where we are and not make a change. But in reality, when Jesus calls Peter forward, the safest place for him to be is responding to that call, is taking that step over the edge of the boat and moving forward. And so I want to ask this second question. What does it say about us that we'd rather focus on Peter failing than Peter taking the risk? What does it say about us that we'd rather focus on the fact that Peter took his eyes off Jesus and started to sink and started to drown than taking the risk? See, what happens next? Peter cries out, save me, Lord. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. He says, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? But this is the focal point. Jesus saved Peter. Peter took the risk. Jesus saves him. And then he asks him this question. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? And the, the phrase, the, the word doubt in Greek actually means um, to be torn between two decisions. It's not just a, an unknown. It's a it's why did you feel torn between two things? 
Why did you feel torn between looking at me and looking at what you're scared of? Why did you feel stuck between those two things? Now, here's the interesting thing. This is where Matthew ends, and he moves on. He talks about what happens when they get in the boat, but Matthew does not give us what Peter said. And that's what proves this point, that Jesus rescued Peter. That's what the focal point is. It's not actually about what, whatever Peter's response would have been, because we don't even get that in Scripture. The focus is Peter knew he had to make a change. He took a step forward. He took a risk. And Jesus was still there to save him. That's what matters here. See, we don't get Peter's response. And so this is what happens. This is the next verse right after that, verse 32. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshipped him, worshipped Jesus. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. And see, to worship something is to recognize its worth, to recognize how important it is. See, just a year earlier, they had been in this situation with the storm and the boat was being overwhelmed. Jesus was sleeping and when Jesus wakes up, he calmed the storm. So, I mean, they knew he could do this. This time around, Jesus wasn't with them at the beginning. But then when Jesus shows up and when he gets in the boat, the storm calms immediately. Both of these times is Jesus is reminding his disciples, disciples, I'll rescue you. I'll be there. I'll step in. See, here's the question. Are we willing to face our fears to move closer to God? Are we willing to take that risk? Are we willing to recognize that if we just stay where we are, that even though it's going to be tough, even though we're going to have to face something head on, we're going to have to make difficult choices, we're going to have to create a plan and put it in action, we're going to have to do things that we may not want to do that may make us uncomfortable and put us at unease. But are we willing to do those things to step forward into a relationship with God? So here's the third question. What risk do you need to take to step closer to Jesus? What risk do you need to take to move forward in this? And so I'm going to turn things over to our version event. And we're, we're a smaller group today, so we, we don't need a microphone to be able to hear everyone. But I'm going to just go through some of the things that have come in through the comments on the, the version event. And if you're typing something in, um, please still keep typing. It'll pop up on my screen here. But for these three questions... What do you do when everything you have is not enough? And, and I feel like this first one probably could have been written by me. Sometimes I stubbornly keep trying. Yeah, that's me. Sometimes I give up. Sometimes I tell God I need help. And then I recognize I can only get through it with his help. But you notice there was a progression in that response. Sometimes we're just stubborn. Sometimes we just want to stick it out. Sometimes we just give up. But sometimes we recognize we need help. We have to choose to get that help. Um, any other thoughts? What do you do when everything you have is not enough? If you just you know, throw your hand up, speak up, I'll kind of repeat what you said um, so everyone can hear. But what do you think about that? What do you do when everything you have is not enough? Someone's got to be thinking something, right? How about this second question? What does it say about us 
that we'd rather focus on Peter failing, on Peter losing sight and, and falling into the waves, rather than recognizing the great risk that Peter took. And there's two comments that came in here. One of them saying, I think part of us is still focused on doing things ourselves, that, that we should have tried harder, we should have been able to do it on our own. You know, could have dropped the sail and blown my whistle and gotten a toe in, you know, would have, wouldn't have got the story out of it, right? <laughs> Not a good reason. Um, and the second response that came in, it shows that we focus on the bad that can happen instead of trusting that God will catch us if we fall. Did Peter trust God? Did Peter trust Jesus? Yeah, he did. Any, any further thoughts on that? Why do you think we'd rather focus on Peter's failings? We just a quiet group today? I'm getting one guy nodding his head to that. Here's something I think uh, that I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious and I wonder about this. I don't know if it's for sure. But I think that we'd rather focus on Peter's failings because we think it makes him more human to us. Because we think, you know, if I was in that situation, A, would I have even trusted enough to step out of the boat? And if I did, would I trust that I would actually, when I put my foot on that water, that it would be firm, that it would be solid, that I would stand? Because Jesus called me out to do it. See, there's no going back from that. Like, and you think about if you're stepping out of a boat, like you're stepping from the edge of the, the gunnels, you're stepping down to the water. Like the moment you're, you start that movement forward, there's nothing to catch you. Like you're going over. Maybe we focus on Peter's failing because we recognize that we would have been too scared to take the step Peter took. And we think, see, he failed. And we make ourselves feel better by that. Maybe. I don't know for sure. I mean, I wasn't there. But here's the third question I want to ask. What's the risk you need to take to step closer to Jesus? Maybe it's not a literal boat. Maybe it's not a literal storm. But what's the situation you're in? What's the fear that's holding you back that you need to take a risk to overcome? I know this is kind of a, this is kind of a personal th- piece, but does anyone, would anyone feel willing to share that? What's the risk you might need to take? Yeah, stepping out of our comfort zone. You know, every one of us has this, like, imaginary bubble of what we're comfortable with. But I think often where Jesus is is, is just a little bit past that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Thanks for sharing that.
yeah, Peter was taking the risk of knowing he's probably going to drown when he takes that step. And like you said, he just, he just referred to right before this when Jesus fed the 5,000. You know, someone came forward with those five loaves and two fish. And they were willing to give that up, knowing that was probably their lunch. And saying, well, I'll give this up and I'll get one fifteen thousandth of it. <laughs> but are you willing to give up what you have for the sake of something greater? Yeah, sometimes the risk is, is do we realize that we'll let go of something that we want so that instead we can get something greater? And that's, that's a tough one to wrestle through. And even sometimes as you were saying that, it was making me think that oftentimes we think about that first step. Like, so Peter took that first step off the boat and the water was firm and he walked. But it says, you know, he walked on water. That means he took more than one step. You know, you think about that in your mind. Would you be trusting that the next step, it's going to be firm and it's going to hold me up? And the next step after that, like sometimes the risk is in, do we continue moving forward for the sake of something better? See, for the disciples, they knew they were in trouble. And each one of us, we could probably think of a time, or maybe you're even in it right now, where you feel like, I'm in trouble. This, this, this is too much. I don't know what to do. Here's the question I want, I want to remind you of. You know, we make change when we recognize that the, the pain involved with not making a change is greater than the pain that will be involved in making the change. What's something that you need to make a change about? What's something that God's calling you towards? What's something that you need to face that you know God is putting in front of you saying, this is something you've got to deal with and I'll be there to help. I'll be there to rescue you. But Peter still had to take that step. I'm sure each one of us can come up and realize what the step is we need to take.
See, we're going to close our service with doing something here called communion. And what communion is, is it's this time of, of reenacting a meal that Jesus had with his disciples right before he was going to be betrayed and arrested and crucified and killed. And Jesus did this for a reason because he was inviting his disciples into something new. He was actually inviting them into taking a risk. Because they had followed Jesus for three years. And Jesus was about to be arrested and beaten and killed. But as that's looming and coming up, and Jesus knows it's going to happen, and his disciples are starting to clue in that this is going to happen, Jesus is inviting them to take a risk and stay devoted to him. He's saying, take a risk and follow me and see what's going to happen after. And he even tells his disciples that evening that it's better for me to die and go away because it's going to end up better for you in the long run. And see, we have the benefit now of we can look back and we know that three days later, later, Jesus rose from the grave and he appeared to his disciples. And shortly after that, he sent the Holy Spirit to his disciples to empower them. And they launched the church. They changed the whole course of human history going back to these 11 guys that just before that were terrified in a boat thinking they were going to die. And so when we come to communion, it's this time where I want to invite you to do something a little differently this time. As you come up and you take the elements, um, the bread on the silver trays is gluten-free and, uh, and we have grape juice instead of wine. As you come up, I want you to think about what's something that's holding you back. What's a fear that's been preventing you from going closer to God or, or making the change that you need to make in your life? And I want to invite you to pray Take a seat by yourself or, or maybe with someone you trust and someone you're close to and just share briefly what is it that you need to let go of? What's the fear that you need to let go of? What's the risk that you need to take so that you can move closer to God? I want to invite you to do that and then shortly after that we'll give some time for everyone to come up and grab the elements. Nikki's going to lead us in another song. Um, and then we're going to pass the offering bags again. We do what we call our benevolent offering. And this is an offering that doesn't stay here. We use this directly to help people in need. We've done things uh, in the past with it where we've, we've paid for prescription medication for people. We've helped people with, uh, with food hampers at times or with rent money. We've helped, people, we've helped people in ways when they didn't see a way out. And we said, you know, this isn't going to solve your problem, but this will help. And that's what we use the Benevolent Fund for. And so I want to invite you, please be generous as we pass the offering bags for that. We're not, I'm not going to come up and announce it again. We're just going to pass the bags uh, while we're singing. And so I want to invite you, take a moment and reflect. Think about what, what's the fear that you need to overcome? What's the risk you need to take? And come and share in communion and recognizing that that's what God's calling us forward for. He's calling us forward into something greater. So I don't know what exactly it is that's been holding you back. I don't know what the risk is you need to take, but I want to encourage you this week, take that risk. Take that first step forward. Even though it may seem audacious, even though it may seem outrageous, take that step that will lead you closer to God. Because we know that the fullness of life is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you into that. So take that step. Folks, next Sunday, we are wrapping up our water series, and we're talking about what do you do when you've lost all hope? 
Uh, and the week after that, uh, we're launching a new sermon series called Don't Be a Troll. Maybe you saw our little troll guarding a bridge on the screens before you came in. We're talking about, well, how to not be a troll. And if you want to find out more about that, you can uh, help us out, actually. We don't have a name for our troll yet. You can find us on Facebook, and you can suggest what you think we should name our troll for the sermon series. But if you want to find out what it's really about, you've got to be here August 12th. So next Sunday, we're wrapping up the water series. Sunday after that, we're launching into a new series, Don't Be a Troll. I hope to see you here. Have a great week, folks. We hope this message helped you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. You can find out more about us by going to mygrandvalley.ca.